What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Today's episode is with Andrew Brandt. Andrew is the former vice president of the Green Bay Packers and one of the sharpest minds in sports business today. So I sat down with him earlier today for about an hour, and we discussed everything going on in the NFL, including Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension and the Miami Dolphins' tampering case. I hope you enjoyed this episode, but before we get into it, let's quickly run through today's sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Whoop. I've been wearing a Whoop for several years now and it has made a massive difference in my life. It's the only tech product that I wear 24-7, so it's pretty cool to see people like Patrick Mahomes, Rory McIlroy, Michael Phelps, and Justin Bieber wearing one also. Whoop automatically measures your respiratory rate, oxygen level, resting heart rate, heart rate variability, calories, and activity levels throughout the day. Sure, it might sound complex, but Whoop interprets the data for you, so it's easy to digest and actionable. And now, their 4.0 is officially back in stock and shipping in real time. But here's the best part. Whoop is offering 15% off when you use the code Joe at checkout. Go to Whoop, W-H-O-O-P.com, mentor Joe, J-O-E, at checkout to save 15% and get free shipping. Sleep better, recover faster, train smarter, and now feel healthier with Whoop. Next up is Element. I've been focusing on my hydration levels for the last few months, and I've learned that chugging water isn't the most important thing, but replenishing electrolytes is. The easiest endorsement I can give is that since drinking Element, I feel more energized and experience fewer headaches and muscle cramps. It's simple. I just add it to my water every morning and I'm ready to go. No sugar, no junk. There's a reason why hundreds of pro athletes and teams are using it also, because it works. And now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single servings of free packets with any Element order. So get yours at drinkelement.com slash joe. This deal is only available through my link. So make sure you go to drinkelement.com slash Joe, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash Joe. Next up is 8sleep. Good sleep is the ultimate game changer, and the 8sleep pod is the ultimate sleep machine. 8sleep has dramatically improved my daily performance. For me, I was never able to get a good sleep because I was always too hot. But now, I'm falling asleep in record time, faster than I've ever before. The pod is the only sleep technology that can maintain the optimal sleeping temperature for what your body needs. And it's not just me who sleeps on an 8sleep. The product is so good that it's garnered the attention of CEOs, Olympians, UFC champions, and even the Mercedes F1 racing team. Even better, 8sleep recently launched the next generation of the pod. The new Pod 3 enables more accurate sleep and health tracking with double the amount of sensors, delivering you the best sleep experience on earth. The pod isn't magic, but it definitely feels like it. Go to 8sleep.com Joe to start sleeping cool this summer and save $150 on the pod. 8sleep currently ships within the U.S., Canada, the U.K., and select countries in the EU. Joe Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of Joe Pompliano and his guests are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion by Joe or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, let's get into this episode. All right, guys, I'm here with my friend Andrew Brandt. We have a lot to talk about. I was off on vacation last week, and I come back, and there's a lot of news coming out of the NFL. We have Deshaun Watson, who's officially now, it seems, at least before an appeal, suspended six games by a judge. And then the Dolphins and Stephen Ross got handed down a rather big punishment, I'd say, from the NFL. Some people might believe it may be worth more. But I brought Andrew on today because I want to talk through all this stuff. He is the master of this, formerly worked in the Packers front office, does a lot of media stuff now, has his own newsletter. And does a great job. So, Andrew, how are you? I'm good, Joe. Welcome back to the real world. I always say this, the NFL 
the games are just kind of the storefront, right? The real intrigue about the NFL happens behind the games. We haven't had games in six months, and it just seems like there's always something I know so well because I cover NFL business, and I'm never not busy, it seems. Maybe there's a few weeks in there in late June, but it really is a full-time just covering the business side of the league. Yeah. So let's start with Deshaun Watson. I think everyone's probably familiar at this point with what he's been accused of and kind of how that process has played out through the civil lawsuits and whatnot. But the decision was handed down by Judge Robinson where he would be suspended six games. And the NFL has now, I believe, at least 24 hours left. We're recording this on on Wednesday afternoon to appeal the decision and come up with a punishment of their own. Talk me through first, like, how this process works, right? Because it changed recently, or at least within the last year or two, where now there's a judge versus how it was historically kind of just Roger Goodell and everyone else determining the punishment. So let's talk through that part first, and then we can get into what we think will happen next. Yeah, Joe, let's talk about the process, because as you noted, it changed. The 2020 collective bargaining agreement changed it. And I'll just say up front, I notably have been critical of the NFLPA I think there are deficiencies in the CBAs about how much players make, about the lack of guarantees compared to other leagues, all of that. Let's put that aside, and I want to give credit where credit is due. They changed the system from, as everyone talked about for years, judge, jury, and executioner for Commissioner Goodell to basically appellate judge. So who's the judge and jury? Well, the NFL and NFLPA agreed it's going to be a jointly named independent quote unquote, hearing officer. And they picked a woman from Delaware, a former federal judge they both agreed on, named Sue Robinson. So she is the arbiter of NFL personal conduct discipline, not Roger Goodell. Now we'll get to his role in a second when we talk about appeal, but it wasn't Goodell. So they made their presentations, they being the Watson side and the NFL side, Back in June, we heard that the NFL wanted a year plus. Watson basically didn't want any discipline. And we find out on August 1st, six games. What strikes me, Joe, is that I read the opinion and I'm dumbstruck because the opinion is reading like it's going to give Watson at least a year suspension. Judge Robinson agrees that the NFL met their burden of proof. For personal conduct. Done. And Judge Robinson agrees that his behavior was quote unquote egregious. Judge Robinson agrees that his behavior was, and this is a loaded word, predatory. Judge Robinson termed his behavior assault, but then it turns and it turns on the notion of violence versus nonviolence. For whatever reason, and this is not written, she finds this nonviolent. And the examples for all the things that I've talked about with you and others over the years, Ray Rice, Ben Roethlisberger, Ezekiel Elliott, Kareem Hunt, Josh Brown, they, I assume, are violent. The precedent that she refers to as nonviolent, the most ever given out is three-game suspension. She doesn't name the player. There have been reports she's referring to Jameis Winston for actions towards an Uber driver. So... We don't know why she turns this into nonviolent, but she then scolds the NFL like, how can you ask for a year with a nonviolent when the most you've given out is three games and it's all this stuff about post hoc rules? And I'm like, what? So, anyway, 
as a lawyer, I guess I get it. She's making the determination that what he did in those massages was nonviolent. And that's the category she put it in. And thus, what seems like lax discipline of six games with this turn of the phrase nonviolent. So we'll talk a little bit about the NFL and now they have the opportunity to appeal it, right? Roger Goodell can come in. I believe it's three days, correct me if I'm wrong, but he can he can say, we're going to appeal what you did and basically come up with a decision of their own. Correct. Does that open the opportunity for him to basically counter sue, right? Because in my understanding of kind of just precedence or what's been happening in the past with Tom Brady and others, right? You could sue the NFL. Maybe a judge determines that in the meantime, you can play. So is there a world where that could happen also? Say Roger Goodell comes in and says, six games isn't enough. We're going to do a full season. Deshaun Watson sues, and then he's able to play week one. Before we get to will he be able to play, let's just follow up on that. So we're on Wednesday afternoon, as you said. We will know by Thursday morning if the NFL is appealing. Okay. And I think I should go through with you why potentially they will not appeal. Because listen, if they appeal, we know the suspension's going up. It's, it's, it's a given. I am 100% sure, talking to you, Joe, if they appeal, he will not have a six-game suspension. If they appeal, they're appealing to themselves. They're appealing to themselves. And this is where what the union got in CBA is not that great, really, because, well, Goodell's still there. So if they appeal, it'll go from six to either eight or 10 or 12 or the whole season. Then we'll see what happens. Because, but let me go back. Their listeners are probably saying, well, why wouldn't they? And now I don't know. Because if it was a slam dunk, this would have happened Monday morning. If it was a slam dunk to appeal, we've been there by now. We're Wednesday afternoon. We're 36 hours from it. Well, the, the one argument I've seen, right, is that they were waiting for public perception or kind of how the public took it. And I think anyone with a brain, right, realized the public wasn't going to take it well. So I don't think you needed three days to analyze that and determine that the public perception wasn't going to be good, to your point, I think. Three reasons I think they're waiting. The public opinion, yes, of course, but three reasons they may not appeal. Number one, showing deference to Judge Robinson. I know they're pissed at the decision, but... This is the first case. They've hired this woman. They want to respect her. They don't want to overreach her. Maybe they just said they chalk it up to, okay, she's, we have to respect the process. And maybe next time they come in hard after what she's done. But that's one reason. Another reason is the obvious reason, get the focus back on the field. Owners telling Goodell, stop. Take the six games and run. Let's stop having people talk about Watson this way. Let's get him off the field till October or something, and let's deal with it then. Or the fear of a, of a lawsuit, which you mentioned. On the lawsuit side is, I, I don't know what Watson's legal team's going to do, but a couple things. I don't think they sue if it goes from six games to eight games. I don't think they sue if it goes to six games to... Nine, maybe 10. I don't think they sue, but if it goes to 12 or above, maybe they do sue. But Tom Brady, you know, I'm a lawyer. I'm all about precedent. I covered Tom Brady case in detail for ESPN. He won, but then he lost. He lost in the appellate court, which is the only thing that matters. So if they sue, the NFL just walks into court and says, Tom Brady. And I don't know how Watson wins that suit. Yeah, it could be tied up. I don't really know the answer to your question. 
which is a great one. If they appeal in court, can he play? I don't know the answer to that. I would think he's under suspension for six games. The union has said in a tweet that they accept that and they invite the league to not bother it. So that's a great question. You know, if he sues, can he play week one? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. And how do you think about it in the context of other suspensions, not domestic violence or anything like that, but Calvin Ridley's a name that's been thrown out a lot recently for, for sports betting. He obviously got suspended a whole game. I think he lost or at least pushed back a year of salary, so $11 million. There's been plenty of other people, whether it's for, for drugs or targeting or other things like that, that have received longer suspensions than Deshaun Watson has. How does that look for the league, right? Because it's difficult. Obviously, if you look at Calvin Ridley, the league created this problem in some instance, right? Because they're taking billions of dollars from sports books and they're going to continue to use this as a massive revenue stream. And you can't have the integrity of the game as a question if you're going to do that. So you have to hand down harsh punishments. You have to make sure players know that it's not okay. I understand that. But from someone looking on the outside in, someone suspended for betting $1,500 on a parlay when they weren't even with the team for their team to win versus someone who's been accused of violent acts you know, by 25 plus people at this point, the optics certainly aren't good. Yeah. How do you think about that in the context of like how the NFL should think about it? Well, it's optics versus legality and I'm the lawyer. So if I was explaining this to you and everyone <laughs> on the NFL side, I would say they're different silos, right? There's the gambling betting silo. There's the personal conduct silo. And then I know a lot of people bring up Brady. There's the integrity of the game silo. And there's the steroids, you know, the DeAndre Hopkins six games, same thing. That's another silo, all collectively bargained. So that's the legal explanation. But you bring up the more general. I mean, there are millions and millions of NFL fans. They don't want to hear about all that, right? They don't want to hear all that legalese from Andrew Brandt. They just want to say, well, wait a minute, Calvin Ridley and what and Brady four games and DeAndre Hopkins, the same amount. For some drug he didn't even know he was taking in his supplement. So I get it. I get it. But this is what happens all the time. I think a bigger issue is this is a lot of unions, union labor stuff, because I'm hearing a lot of people, why is the NFLPA going fighting for this guy? You know? And there's another legal situation because they're just they're making a statement about the next guy. Like if they can do this to Deshaun Watson, they'll be able to do it to the next guy. But I keep getting back to precedent on the NFL side. Like, what if someone went into one massage and did this? Well, it was six games for 24 massages or 66 massages. So what are they going for one massage and where, where he was assaulting a masseuse? And would he even get one game? You know, this is the things that I think about when I hear six games. So I just don't know you know, how this, the NFL goes away from increasing this. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. My last question on this topic specifically would be, do you think the NFL is happy and the NFLPA are happy with the decision basically to bring in this individual arbitrator and the judge and how the process works out, right? Because from my understanding, the NFL should be somewhat happy with it, right? Because they have someone else who's now the, the judge jury on this kind of stuff. And then at the end of the day, they can still appeal a lot of these things and they have the ability to change it if they want to. And then the NFLPA, they have someone else looking at it versus just Roger Goodell and, and he's not coming up with the punishment himself. How do you think about their happiness on each side of how this has played out? The union's definitely happy. 
they've transferred it out of the court yeah. of Goodell to the court of Robinson. They've got a real judge, you know, a real former judge. And look what she's done. First case. First case has given back. Now they can say privately they wanted no suspension or three games or two games, but this is a good outcome for them. The league is upset. The league can walk away from this. And again, this is all politics and say, hey, it wasn't us. You know, they gave him only six games. It's not Goodell. But they now have put themselves in a troubling position with this right of appeal because I keep coming back to this. If they don't appeal, I know Browns fans will be happy and Watson will be happy and the union will be happy and Judge Robinson will be happy. But fans, like, this is what you believe in women? Like, six games for 20? I don't know. I think it's a fascinating decision whether they appeal or not. I'll ask you, do you think they'll appeal? I think they will. Yeah. I agree with all the reasons why you said they wouldn't. Totally. I, I, I get it. I just have a feeling that they will. I think six games, given kind of the response and, and what's happened historically and, and the punishments that actually the NFL has laid out in some of these instances and, and the rules, while it feels really, really, really light, I can see how Judge Robinson came up with it, right? But it just feels so light that I think that the public outcry and the, and the public rage through this is going to be enough to get them to appeal. And to your point, even if they get it to eight games or 10 games, if it increases even a bit, I think that that will release some of that pressure, maybe, even if it's not a full season or whatever it is. I think that he'll probably be inclined to your point to just accept it if it's eight or 10 games versus continuing to fight this and, and push the suspension further out or whatever it is and still be found kind of liable for that suspension. So my gut feeling is that they do appeal it and it probably gets increased maybe a few games. But I, I totally understand why some people may think that they'll just leave it alone, right? And try to wash it under the bus and, and keep going and get the 2022, 2023 season underway. Yeah. And of course, you know, we talked about this before. Watson will make 45 million plus the, the way it was. Structured. Oh, that was my other, that was my other question, right? So Watson, as you're mentioning, he's going to lose about $350,000 of salary this year. He'll make over 45 million this year. He's got 200 million guaranteed, over $200 million guaranteed, 230 or whatever it is. People are saying online that, you know, half the people are saying they intentionally structured it this way so that he could get out of paying these fines and, and he'll have as much money as possible. And they're giving the Browns a really hard time about this. And then Browns fans are very loudly saying, no, this is the way all of our deals are structured. Yes. You have structured some of these deals and done some of these deals. What is the truth here? Is this actually how a lot of these are done? I, I think I've seen in some instances, but I don't know if we've ever seen an instance where a player got that much guaranteed money, get a structure like this. So just talk me through kind of your thoughts on how his contract is actually structured. Yeah. I mean, this and Browns fans have come at me hard on this. <laughs> and I, I did a Cleveland radio station today where the host got on me, but here's the thing. If I'm structuring deals, whatever it is, whatever it is, the only thing that mattered to me working for a team was consistency. I could not go to one player and give a certain type of bonus, not the same as another player. Because if you do, I've said this many times, there's a line at your door. Agents and players are like high school girls. They just gossip about what you're doing on the financial side, and they want in too. So listen, the Browns gave him a bonus, $46 million in money this year, 45 in bonus, $1 million in salary. The only money subject to forfeiture is the salary. As you said, 650 versus 46 million. So here's, here's where we are. Now, for the Browns fans saying, well, they do that with all their contracts. Yes and no. Yes, 
whether it's Samari Cooper or Denzel Ward, yes, it's high, high bonus, low salary in order to keep cap number low year one and push out cap in the future because cap money is prorated, which is also astounding to me, Joe, because the Browns have the most cap room in the league. They don't need to do this. They can load cap now and it'll help them later, but they don't do that. Okay, here's the difference. Here's the difference. Number one, all those other players aren't facing certain suspension, but be that as may. Number two is all those other players' bonuses, if you're suspended, are subject to forfeiture. It's written into Watson's contract that his bonus is not subject to forfeiture for suspension. And for those who don't know, forfeiture means you can take it back. So in a normal contract, all the contracts I've done, if you are suspended, you can take back money in your bonus. What money? Well, at least six games prorated for year one of the bonus. So if the bonus is $10 million over a five-year deal, that's $2 million in the first year. If you lose half the first year, you take back a million. So these are the kind of things that they can do. So would I have structured Watson the same as the rest of the players? Of course. Why would you do it different? Well, now we get to why they do it differently. If you remember, Watson, gotcha. yeah, Watson was subject to bidding. He was a Southern kid. He was going to the Falcons or Saints. The Browns were out. <laughs> and voila, the Browns are back in. This is how they're back in. They, they cause a stink with Baker Mayfield. Next thing you know, they're back in. They're giving him whatever contract he wants. And yeah, it's money. It's money. And you and I know, I talk about this sort of a life lesson that you do things for money. It's not going to work out very well. I don't know if that's going to happen with Watson. But he's not going where he really wanted to go. He wanted to go to Atlanta or New Orleans, but here he is. Do you think that was a sticking point, I assume, in the contract then? right? Not only $230 million or whatever it was guaranteed, but the fact that the bonus was untouchable. right? Because you're saying, Browns fans have been very loud about this, and, and that's an interesting point because I didn't know that. They point out right, that all the players have the low salaries, high bonuses, etc. But the fact that he was the one deal where they exclude that from the forfeiture pile makes it pretty obvious what they were doing. And I, I, I think that probably ends basically every argument you could have against it. But do you think that this was something that Watson and his agent pressed them on, basically? Not only yeah. do we want the higher guarantee, not only do we want the more contract, but we want this excluded from forfeiture. Yes. He would be a Falcon or a Saint. I don't know if it's but for that, or but for five years fully guaranteed, or but for $230 million. But somewhere along the way, the Falcons and the Saints, maybe at different stages, cried uncle. They cried uncle. Like, we can't yeah. do not where, you know, it's like poker. Well, it feels like his agent wrote up the dream contract, right? Like, like the perfect contract. Totally. And this continues to make me feel icky because I am looking for the white whale in the NFL for years. Who's going to be that guy that gets a basketball, baseball contract? five years fully guaranteed. And it's this guy. It's not Aaron Rodgers, not Tom Brady. It's not Pat Mahomes. It's not Josh Allen. It's not Lamar Jackson. It's this guy of all people. Yep. All right. Let's move on to topic number two and the last topic today, which is Stephen Ross and the Miami Dolphins. Again, I think this is another story that when it first came out, people were shocked by and wanted to learn more. The investigation has concluded now and the NFL has handed down punishment. So for those that aren't familiar, 
the Dolphins and Stephen Ross as an owner were, were accused of tampering and trying to get Tom Brady to either come in as a part owner, a limited partner in the team, an executive, or maybe even a player at some point over the last few years, depending on kind of which accusation you're talking about. They've been accused of tanking purposely, right, to favor draft picks and, and lose games on purpose by former coach Brian Flores. He has also accused them of offering him, I think it was $100,000 per loss, basically to entice him to lose additional games and many other accusations. So the NFL released the findings of their investigation yesterday and basically said that, yes, they did you know X, Y, and Z, not necessarily the $100,000 per loss accusation, but everything else essentially. And they gave them the punishment of, they took away their 2023 first round pick, their 2024 third round pick. They suspended owner Stephen Ross for the next few months. I think it's October 17th. And he's being fined $1.5 million. Let's first talk through just this, this in general. What are, your, what are your thoughts on kind of not only the punishment, but how this all took place and how fast it moved? Well, again, this is one of those independent findings. Is it really independent? Who knows? It was a woman, Mary Jo White, former SEC administrator that went through all the findings and she came out with the decision yesterday. It's the two taboo T's, right? Tanking and tampering. On the tanking side, Brian Flores is validated, is vindicated here. And he really is. He brings up this explosive allegation in February or March, whenever that was. And here we are. It's true. Now, they minimize it in the findings, which really has upset Flores from his statement. They say, yeah, he kind of did say that, but it was in joking or it was in jest or it was not intended to be serious. And as I said, Joe, well, what do you mean? Like, do owners walk around giving out $100,000 checks or, or talking about it to lose? And you just like, okay, fine. That's okay. That's cool. It's just a joke. No, no, I don't. I, I understand Flora's frustration that the investigator kind of poo-pooed that. And really the penalties, it seems like, are more for the tampering than the tanking. Because as I said, it's kind of seen in jest and so-and-so, but now we get to tampering. Tom Brady, both in 19 and 20, and in 2022. So that's two years when he was with the Patriots, one year when he was with the Bucks, and then Sean Payton in 2022 when he's with the Saints. Now, when I say with, I mean under contract, under contract. So clear tampering. And that brings, I think, the real penalties. They don't really say this is all about tampering or all about tanking, but it's clear that's where the penalties lie. I just think this is blatant. I mean, this is like, wait, what? Ross seems to be like, you know, I'm going to do these wild things. I'm going to try to make our team better. He was going to acquire John Watson last year. The more I thought about it, initially you see the kind of the, the numbers and you're like, ah, oh, that seems harsh. The more I thought about it, I don't think it was nearly harsh enough. And I think that because to your point, it was blatant. There's a big history and, and a long history over several years of doing similar acts. People have, have brought up this kind of stuff in the past. They totally, to your point, minimize Brian Flores' allegations, right? I don't think owners are going around clubhouses joking about giving out $100,000 checks for losses. And I think if you do say that, then you're probably somewhat serious, especially given kind of the findings that yeah. he was you know, concentrating on draft picks and, and would feel that they needed a better draft position. The part that I think is the problem is you suspended him for basically two and a half months, which is effectively nothing, right? He misses however many games or whatever it is. 
you fine him $1.5 million. He's worth over $8 billion. So that's effectively nothing again. The team makes hundreds of millions of dollars every single year. They're worth $4.5 billion, right? The fine is effectively nothing. The most powerful thing they did, and the thing that probably hurt them the most, was the draft picks, right? But some of those they got in trades and and so forth, and and they'll be all right. You know, I think it's unfortunate for them and their fans and stuff like that, but they'll be okay. So I don't think it was hard enough. I think that you're you're setting, you know, again, you have to let everyone know that this isn't okay, that you can't do this, that you can't go and try to poach competitive teams or rival teams, quarterbacks and coaches and do all this stuff behind closed doors, especially offering ownership stakes and executive positions and things like that, right? It's just kind of crazy to some degree. But do you agree that it was too light? Do you think it should have been more? Well, I think I agree that the the real impact is the draft pick. None of the other stuff really matters. I mean, it's yeah. the draft pick. And they also, they traded their 2022 first for Tyreek Hill. And now they won't have a 2023 first. So from a football point of view is they better be happy with Tua. Because unless Tom Brady's going to, you know, they're going to go after him again next year. So at 46 years old, the other part is Brady. As we talk about him on his 45th birthday. So I wrote this yesterday. So this guy in the offseason alone has retired, has unretired, has signed a $375 million deal with Fox, and has been implicated in tampering allegations for the past three years. I mean, that's a busy offseason for a guy that's uh, supposed to be a quiet guy. So it's also interesting to me, and I guess I never really thought about this, Joe, where Peyton and Brady will suffer no consequences. Now, I guess that makes sense. I guess it just seems a little odd that they were party to this. Yeah. Why, why does it make sense? Because that was my question, right? How does Brady, I get Peyton, right? He's out of the league. Maybe you can kind of do something and maybe if he wants to come back or whatever it is, you can, you can apply some sort of punishment if he was actually involved. Brady, I think is a tricky situation. Obviously he's kind of the, the poster boy of the league at the moment. He's 45 years old. This could be his last year. Are you going to suspend him for games? Like, What, what are you going to do? But ultimately it feels like he was part of this and is now getting off kind of scotch-free. Right. I was trying to think if players have been penalized. You know, we we go back to the LeBron decision with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh or with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden. It's like, I guess. I mean, but that's all player to player. Now there's a couple of tampering going on in the NBA with what's going on with, I guess, the Sixers or with P.J. Tucker and other teams. The Knicks, too. And there's others. Yeah. I guess in those situations too, it's just going to be the team that would suffer, right? Not the player. So I guess I, I'm sort of like you. I'm like, shouldn't there be something for Brady? And then you think about, I guess there never is. Like it's just, it's just the players. If you want to talk to them, I mean, at some point they should feel like, hey, they can't be doing this. But if they're doing it and it's not the player's problem. Yeah, I was just going to say, I guess part of it too is determining what level of participation they had in this, right? Because Stephen Ross, I, I believe he's a University of Michigan. I don't know if he was a graduate, but I know he's a large donor there. He has, you know, is well tied to Brady and, and so forth. So, you know, maybe this is something that that they could claim Stephen Ross just brought up to him and their friends and, and you know, nothing carried further from there. Probably difficult to prove to some degree. And maybe that's another reason why, but also to your other point of like precedence, if there's none, then what are you going to do? Well, it's also this, it sort of brings out what's really going on with Brady, because remember 
he retired, but then no one really believed he was going to retire. So was he retiring to eventually go to the Dolphins? And how is that going to work out? And then Bruce Arians mysteriously quits. And there's rumors about Brady and Arians not getting along. You know, and now Todd Bowles is the coach. So, yeah, I mean, listen, let me just say I'm a huge Brady fan because I'm all about longevity myself now. And I just think longevity in sports, I admire it so much because it takes a lot of work ethic and consistency. But he is not innocent in this. Now, not being innocent in this, does that matter so much? I don't know. But he's certainly not an innocent part. We're not in the in his brain, right? In his mind. But it sure feels like there might have been a plan to retire, go do something else. And that might have been ruined or, or the party might have been crashed by Brian Flores and his allegations and, and kind of everything that blew up there. Because his retirement was very weird, right? Like for a player of his caliber, you don't let that leak to the media. It doesn't just kind of like, you know, an insider tweets it. There's no mention of you for days, you, you know, that whole deal. It just felt really weird that he didn't get to do it kind of on his own terms. And then everyone assumed he wasn't retired. And then he came back and, you know, all this stuff blew up. So I tend to agree that there was something going on. It's difficult to tell and kind of determine where and what, but it just feels weird. Yeah, I mean, and I think to sum up our two conversations today, what we have over the last four days is an intense vision of bad player and bad owner behavior. But, I mean, you and I talk about sports marketing. (laughs) We're talking about the NFL, right? Oh, the baseball deadline is going on, all this stuff going on in sports. We're talking about the NFL. There's no games. Just the power of the brand is just amazing. Yeah, I saw a tweet yesterday. Someone was joking about it. They said, you know, they turned on ESPN. They were covering, you know, the NFL news. ESPN2 was doing the same thing. They had to turn to MLB Network to watch the trade deadline. (laughs) You have the biggest (laughs) names in baseball switching teams, some of the best players in the world, and NFL's dominating headlines. So last question. If you had to guess, right, I know you probably don't want to guess, but if you had to, and you had to determine, let's say week eight next year, is Deshaun Watson playing? So essentially, does it stay at six? Does he get suspended at least two more? Does it go longer? Just what is your your thought on how this plays out? Yeah, it's really another way of asking the question we've been asking all, all along is, does the NFL appeal? Because if they appeal, the answer is no way. It goes up. Yeah, if he don't appeal, it's going to be six. So I'm going to say he will not be playing week eight. I agree. Before we go, I just I have to talk about that one clause in the Sue Robinson opinion, that just sticks out in my mind. We talked about a lot of the opinion. She put in a no outside massage clause. And what that means is he cannot seek massage outside the Browns therapists for the rest of his career. So I guess if another team, same thing. So I'm like, wow. So I immediately, as a lawyer, look at, well, what's the sanction? Well, it's a, it's a condition of reinstatement. So whether it's six, eight, ten, whatever games this year, if he has found to been seeking massage, which he seemed to be unable to stop doing for a year, then he can't be reinstated. As to how they enforce it the rest of his career, I have no idea. But think about the power of a masseuse out there if Deshaun reaches out to her. Think about the power of that woman if she so decides that should happen. 
Yeah, it almost felt like that was like the finishing touch on the report, right? Because you see this and you're like, all right, that kind of tells you all you need to know if they're going to ban him from using outside, like if he can only use team massage therapists for the rest of his career. It's it's very obvious their belief and the judge's belief on kind of where he stands and his innocence stands in all of this. So the other thing I would say too is that the Brown statement was was puzzling. Yeah. Like, what was that? Like, how do you, I don't even understand how you. They use the word trigger. Yeah, they said triggering. Yeah. I mean, women's groups, I don't know. I mean. They said that he is obviously remorseful or whatever it was. He's not. And if you watch his testimony the last time, he's, I didn't do this. I was never disrespectful. he, He literally denies the entire thing. So I don't understand why they decide, like those press releases essentially usually say nothing. Right. They're just kind of like PR statements and you really can't get anything out of it. It's very rare that you see someone mess it up so bad to where it infuriates people even more. Right. They said the word triggering. They're doing all these different things. I just can't believe that they let that be released. One idea. And if this happens, we got to put this out all over the media (laughs) where a potential discipline for Deshaun Watson by the league. They give him 10 games that he can move to eight. Or they give him 12 games that he can move to 10 if he shows remorse, he meets with women's groups, he meets with counseling, he does all these things, because I think this is a big part of it. He has shown no remorse. His one appearance for the Browns media was, I didn't disrespect any women. I didn't do anything wrong. Well, now we have the finding of fact by the judge. You absolutely disrespected women, and you absolutely did something wrong. I mean, people, you don't solicit all massages to have sex. And and that brings me to the Robert Kraft thing. I understand everyone's saying, well, the owners don't get any discipline. We don't need to be crude here. This is not X-rated. But Robert Kraft went for that, and the provider knew what was going on, right? These masseuses didn't know that's what was going to happen to them. The provider for Robert Kraft, come on. She she knew. Yeah, it's it's very clearly different circumstances in my mind, right? There there's a history and kind of a repeated occurrence in one situation. One was more aggressive by by one individual than the other, and so forth. So I'm with you on that. I think that it's kind of irresponsible in some degree to compare those situations just because one's an owner and one's a player. But we'll see. It feels like it's far from over, right? Even though we already got the ruling, yeah. <laughs> it somehow feels like we we probably won't know about this for a little bit of time. We'll see tomorrow morning when the NFL has to make their decision whether they're going to appeal or not. But I'm sure we'll talk about this more often. Last but not least, the one thing I do want to do as a thank you for coming on, because I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man. You're doing a bunch of different outlets and radio shows and appearances over this week is to shout out your newsletter. I've been a subscriber for a long time now, and I really love it. It's called the Sunday 7. Where do they go? Is it andrewbrandt.com? Yeah, I have a dash in there. Andrew-brandt.com is where you sign up. And these are the kind of things where I can get into. I do a Sports Illustrated column. I do my podcast like you do the Business of Sports podcasts. But sometimes I can't touch on all the topics I want to. So I get into them in Sunday. And it's, you know, drink your coffee and read my Sunday thoughts, seven thoughts every week. I give up quotes and tweets and life advice and things beyond sports. So it's been really helpful. And then I have a premium site for people who want even more of me, where I'll do daily videos for people that sign up and a weekly meeting. We all get together every Thursday night. So that's the Sports Business League. You go to andrew-brandt.com slash SBL for Sports Business League. So those are two ways to sort of reach more of what I'm writing and talking about. 
highly recommend it. You offer a very unique perspective, right? For, for people who don't already know, you've been in a lot of these situations and these seats before and dealt with these situations firsthand. So I always appreciate your perspective. And I know that reading the newsletter has been great. I'm sure a lot of your subscribers on, on, on the paying side appreciate it also. The direct access is unique, right? It's like that's above and beyond what I think most people would would get. So kudos to you. I know you're doing a great job and working really hard at it. So I hope and I encourage people to go sign up for the newsletter and check out the paid subscription site also. Thanks, Joe. And back at you about your newsletter and your podcast. Definitely. I appreciate it. But this is about you, Andrew. This isn't about me. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for doing this. And hopefully this doesn't extend for too long, but I'm sure we'll have more to talk about and we'll have to do it again soon. We will indeed. Thanks, Joe. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, I appreciate you listening to The Joe Pomp Show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify so that you don't miss any episodes going forward. And if you are looking for additional content, check out my daily newsletter at readhuddleup.com or follow me on Twitter at Joe Pompliano. I hope you have a great day and I'll see you next time.